This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm David Asman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, May 16th, 2022, I'm Mike Emanuel. Polls suggest a super tight three-way race for the Republican nomination for a U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania. David McCormick is fighting in the final hours to close the deal with Pennsylvania voters. I feel like I've lived the American dream and everything that uh, I have was really a byproduct of what America has to offer and the great upbringing in Pennsylvania. And so the reason I'm running is because I feel like that American dream is slipping away. I'm Chris Foster. A nationwide shortage has some parents scrambling to buy baby formula. At this point, when we've been warning about this for quite some time, to have 43% of the nation's supply not present, I mean, parents are nervous and babies are hungry. And I'm Joe Concha. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Tomorrow, Pennsylvania voters get to choose their Republican and Democratic nominees for a Senate seat, which could determine the balance of power. Polls suggest a toss-up among three top candidates, Dr. Mehmet Oz, David McCormick, and Kathy Barnett. But now it's up to voters in the Keystone State. Dr. Oz is warning Kathy Barnett is unelectable in November. Imagine if you're a Democratic upholster uh, or a partisan and you're watching a woman who said openly homophobic and Islamophobic statements made all kinds of uh, allegations that were passed. We can't even ver- verify some very important parts of our history. Barnett responded to some of those criticisms on Fox News Sunday. The overwhelming majority of the tweets that are now being presented are not even full thoughts. They're not even full sentences. And yet people take it and they begin to build their own own, own narrative around it. She suggests McCormick and Dr. Oz are nervous because they fear she's going to win on primary day. Former President Trump is betting on Dr. Oz, giving him the endorsement over McCormick. So I don't know David well. And he may be a nice guy, but he's not MAGA. He's not MAGA. He's more to me than he is MAGA. McCormick has been respectful of Mr. Trump, but is pivoting from endorsements to all about the voters. There is a big percentage of the voters that have remained undecided until, you know, the last week or two. And they're very, very focused on the campaign now. David McCormick is a West Point graduate businessman and is seeking the Republican nomination for the Pennsylvania Senate seat. They're very focused on the significance of this seat. I mean, the people I'm, I've been driving across Pennsylvania and uh, my pickup truck and diners and uh, fire halls and coffee shops. And people are worried. They're scared about the direction of the country. They think the America they know is slipping away. And they recognize that this seat could not be more important because this seat will determine whether a strong conservative leader represents Pennsylvania in the Senate. And it will also determine whether the Senate becomes Republican. This seat was probably the, you know, the most important seat in, in terms of whether uh, Republicans retake the majority. And so I, I see them focusing now in a way that, um, that they hadn't a couple weeks ago. And they're asking three questions. 
who shares my values? Who is a conservative that shares my values and is going to take those conservative values and fight for them in Washington? They're asking themselves who can win the general election because uh, it doesn't do us much good if we nominate a, a Republican candidate who can't win the general. And the general, as you know, is going to be like the Super Bowl. This is going to be the biggest race probably in Pennsylvania history and certainly one of the biggest Senate races in history more broadly. And then the third thing they're asking is, listen, the world's and America's headed in a, in a really scary direction. We're in a crisis. Who has the experiences to help us get out of that crisis? You know, the 40 uh, year high in inflation, the energy crisis, Ukraine, China, the list goes on and on. And so those are the topics that I'm seeing. And uh, I'm just sticking with my plan. I'm driving across our great Commonwealth. I'm, I'm doing, you know, rallies and meet and greets, you know, three, four, five, six a day, making sure that I'm zeroed in on, on the issues for Pennsylvanians and making sure they know who I am, what my experiences have been. My campaign slogan is battle tested Pennsylvania true. I tell them my story as someone who's a combat veteran who grew up in Pennsylvania, who's created jobs in Pennsylvania. And I think that story is resonating. And so that's uh, that's what we're doing till the very end here. We're going to run through the tape. I've spoken with some unaffiliated Republican operatives who love your biography. So for an audience that's not familiar with your background, give us uh, a snapshot of your biography. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking. So uh, I'm a a seventh generation Pennsylvanian. I grew up in a a little town called Bloomsburg, which is probably 30, 40 miles from Scranton. Uh, My folks had a family farm and, um, and my dad worked at the college. And I spent my summers baling hay and trimming Christmas trees and a, a crew that went across the farms in the area. I was a busboy at the local restaurant, uh, the McGee Hotel. It was a uh, one company town, the McGee Carpet Mill. And uh, I played football and wrestled in little towns across Pennsylvania from you know Shikalimi to Shikshini to North Schuylkill to Sealands Grove. And wrestling got me to West Point. So I, I had the great privilege of going to West Point. I was the co-captain of the wrestling team there. Went to the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, went to Ranger School, and then served in the first uh, Gulf War in Iraq. After that, I I came back after the Army, and I uh, went to graduate school, and then I went to Pittsburgh, and I ran a company there that created 600 jobs, and Pittsburgh was part of the the really revitalization of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Then went on to serve in the Bush administration at very senior levels in the White House and National Security Council and the Treasury, negotiating with China and making sure that... uh, our intellectual property wasn't getting stolen and really it was known as a hawkish person on China. And then I left the government and for the last 12 years, I've been at Bridgewater, one of the great investment uh, firms in the world. And I've been the CEO for the last six years or so. During that whole time, I kept the family farm in Pennsylvania and have been very connected to Pennsylvania. So that's my story. And in essence, I feel like I've lived the American dream and everything that uh, I have was really a byproduct of what America has to offer in the great upbringing in Pennsylvania. And so the reason I'm running is because I feel like that American dream is slipping away mm-hmm. and the weak leadership we have in, uh, in our current leadership and president Biden and the, and the Democrats, I think are taking our country to the left, uh, extreme left and the wokeness that we see in our institutions and in our military and our schools and business. And so that's what uh, has inspired me to run. You're seeking to replace Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican. Uh, obviously, for Republicans to win the majority, holding this seat is critical. Have you got any advice from Toomey on winning statewide in Pennsylvania? Not really. I mean, I've, I've talked to uh, Senator Toomey a couple of times. I, I really hadn't met him in person um, uh, prior to this run. 
But, you know, listen, this is a, a very challenging time for our country. And um, I think in the Republican Party in Pennsylvania, you see deep-seated anger for what's happening in our country. You see, you see the fact that they, the Republicans in Pennsylvania uniformly believe that President Trump's America First agenda made a huge difference for Pennsylvania, a huge difference for the country. And they want to go back to those policies. And so that's the agenda I've been running on. And I've had you know, great conservative support. I just finished uh, four rallies over the last 12 hours with uh, Ted Cruz, who's endorsed me and, and came into town uh, two weeks ago was uh, Mike Pompeo, who uh, is a friend from West Point and uh, has been a big uh, supporter and endorsed me and Mike Huckabee and Sarah Huckabee and you know Rick Santorum. So I've had a number of great conservative leaders that have also supported my campaign and, and my message, which, you know, again, is uh, this seat could not be more important. So we have to pick somebody who can uh, win and take our conservative values to Washington. You've been attacked by your primary opponents for being too close to China or too close to Wall Street. Why should the people of Pennsylvania trust that you will put their interests first? Well, the, the first thing I would say is I've, I've always put America's interests first. I, I, you know, somebody asked me, am I America first? You know, I was America first at 18 when I mm-hmm. volunteered to go to West Point and then served in the, in the 82nd Airborne Division. And uh, I am someone who thinks that China poses a real existential threat to America because of its growing economic power and its military power. And I think we need to decouple from China in key strategic industries like semiconductors and pharmaceuticals. I think we need to hold China accountable for bad behavior, particularly the lack of transparency around COVID, where we lost a million lives and trillions of dollars of of economic value. We still don't know what happened there. And I think we need to make sure no company is doing business in China in a way that's going to support the modernization of the Chinese military or the human rights abuses that are taking place there. And, And I'm uniquely qualified. I've spent nine years of my life fighting communist ideology during the Cold War. I've negotiated at the highest levels uh, with China. You can go back to 2006 and find articles and speeches that I gave as a senior government official about the risk of China. And then I've done business around the world in 20 countries. And China comprised about 2% of that when I was the CEO of Bridgewater. That understanding is going to make me a a much more effective senator. And uh, just like President Trump had done business around the world in places like Russia and China prior to becoming president, That experience, but in my case, also the military experience and the negotiating experience makes me unique, not unique in this field, unique in the Senate Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to lead the fight on China. You've said the high inflation we're seeing that's hitting every one of your potential constituents in the wallet can be attributed in part to bad policy decisions coming out of the Biden White House. Walk us through that and how you as a United States senator would steer your state and hopefully the country toward a better economic reality. One thing you learn at West Point in the first day is accountability, personal accountability. And when President Biden stands up there and says that uh, he, he's not responsible for the inflation, it really uh, it, it really is the opposite of what I think good leaders should do. No, P- President Biden made a number of decisions which is leading to this inflation. The first and, and, and by the way, economists and Democrats are saying this, too. The spending that's taken place under the Biden administration, historically, it's unprecedented in in history, the history of America, to have that much of an increase in spending in the last 18 months with all the stimulus, the trillions of dollars of stimulus, which have led us to a $30 trillion debt, which is unsustainable and is a big driver of inflation. 
The second thing is the war on energy. So in 18 months, President Biden has taken us from being a net energy exporter to a net energy importer. And that's because of all the regulations and the Keystone Pipeline and a number of other terrible decisions, which, which by the way, contributed to the, the war in Ukraine, but also is the main driver of the increase in gas prices. It's not Putin's war. It's Biden's policies that led to the increase at the pump. And that, of course, also is, a, is, is p- part of the component of inflation. The third thing is that the, a, key, a key dimension of dealing with inflation is having robust economic growth. And you need to have pro-growth economic policies and deregulation to do that, which is exactly the opposite of what President Biden has done. And so those would be the three areas that start on day one. From Washington, it has felt like a two-person race between you and Dr. Oz. Has that allowed Kathy Barnett to kind of fly under the radar? Well, listen, it was, you know, it was always a crowded field from the, from the beginning. And um, you see in Pennsylvania a significant number of voters that are undecided. And Pennsylvania often decides late. And so what you're now seeing is a real focus over the last couple of weeks and in these final days on the race. And I think that's great because Pennsylvanians are asking tough questions. And the questions they're asking are essentially, you know, who shares my values? As I said before, who can win the general? And who's going to be able to deal with the crisis we have in Washington? And so all the candidates are coming under that scrutiny, including Kathy Barnett. In her particular case, you know, she's under the spotlight um, now in a way that she hadn't been before. And listen, Kathy, um, I've gotten to know her a bit in the campaign trail. I appreciate her personal story. Kathy has been tested. She was tested in the last two years running for Congress in Pennsylvania and lost uh, that congressional seat by 20 points. And there's all sorts of questions that all of us have to face about our backgrounds and our experiences and so forth, which she's now being asked to explain, which I think is totally appropriate. That's what uh, Pennsylvanians deserve. They need to have as much information as possible to make the right choice for Pennsylvania. And as I've said, the stakes are so high that uh, that they're really zeroing in now. So I, I, I don't think any of this is in a big picture way. I don't think any of this is really unexpected. David McCormick, businessman. And Republican candidate for the United States Senate in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the home stretch of this primary campaign. You got it. I will. I am definitely enjoying it. It's uh, great to speak with you. So thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This is Joe Concha with your Fox News commentary coming up. A nationwide baby formula shortage could take some time to sort out. The Food and Drug Administration is working on a plan to increase formula imports. There are hearings in Congress scheduled later this month, and the Biden administration is working on it. Spokeswoman Jen Psaki. We recognize uh, that this is um, certainly a challenge for people across the country, something the president is very focused on, and we're going to do everything we can to cut red tape uh, and uh, and um, take steps to increase supply on the marketplace. House Republican Kat Kamek. 40% across the country is out. In my state, close to 50% of baby formula is out, and that's in Florida and several other states. Emily Stanley lives in Texas. I've driven, you know, about an hour away to find what I could that it's not even what we're normally giving my uh, five-month-old. 
and some stores and drugstore chains that have formula are limiting how much you can buy. The shortage is exacerbated by certain trade policies and supply chain problems. A big factor, though, is the shutdown of an Abbott formula plant in Sturgis, Michigan, over contamination concerns. The company says for now, it's flying in as much as possible from a plant in Ireland. This is the powerhouse of the baby formula that we consume in the United States. Lauren Simonetti with Fox Business. She's a reporter and correspondent, also host of the Fox News podcast, We're Momming Today. It was shut down in February and uh, what, March, April, May, three months later. Right. It's still shut down. The FDA issued their final inspection report March 18th, to which Abbott responded, started cleaning things up, said they're ready to go. They're still shut down. And there's still a debate. It's not conclusive that these kids died or got sick um, from contamination from this plant, right? That's still sort of up in the air. Abbott Abbott says it probably wasn't them, as far as they know. They did not find that particular bacteria at the plant that was responsible for four infants getting sick to dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, Abbott cleaned things up. I, you know, look, the the reason there's only four major baby formula makers here in the U.S. is because it is such a highly regulated industry. And you want it to be in the sense that this is all your baby, at least for the first four to six months of their lives, are, are eating or drinking, breast milk or formula. You want it to be regulated because you want to know what's going into that bottle is legit. So part of me does understand that. Um, but at this point, yeah. when we've been warning about this for quite some time, to have 43% of the nation's supply not present, I mean, parents are nervous and babies are hungry. I saw a map um, of where the shortages are, 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 it's everywhere. But I saw a map of where where it's particularly worse. It seems very scattershot. I don't I don't know the logic to why um, some areas are out more than others. Do you? Good question. No, but confession. Um, so my youngest is now drinking regular milk because she's over twelve months. But I'm a working mom. I, mm-hmm. I did pump, breastfeed, pump. You know, but you supplement towards the end. Yeah. And you always want a stash of supply either in your freezer if it's breast milk or formula in case you can't get home in time, in case something happens. So I remember it was in the winter. I, I noticed, I went online, oh, it would take you know two weeks for, or no, I don't want to say that long. Uh, next week, this will be available. And then we'd go to the local stores. I'd find maybe one bottle of the liquid that she liked. Where mm-hmm. It used to be, you know, the shelf was full. Right. My husband would go, the nanny would go, all different stores. And we had a hard time getting the formula. And I said, this doesn't seem right. But I always was able to get it. I just couldn't stock up on it. And I just blame the supply chain. Yeah. Right? Well, but that is part of it. Fast forward to now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that is another factor. Every Not everything, but we're, we're still dealing with these COVID uh, supply chain issues. And another another thing that happened with formulas, as would happen with, with other things, uh, when the pandemic really first started, people went out and kind of hoarded. And they stockpiled their formula, and then they didn't. Then they had it, and so when the shortage, that shortage sort of eat. Well, there wasn't ever a shortage, but when that situation eased, people still had their stocks. Yep. And so it wasn't selling, and so the the whole everything was screwed up. They didn't know how much to make it and, and where to send it. Right. So it's you know, it's another thing that goes back to the pandemic. But it does, it doesn't, it doesn't, because when you have lawmakers, and yes, they started. I mean, there was a Democratic lawmaker who, back in February, wrote a letter to the FDA saying, "Oh, hello," you know, kind of raised the raised the red flag, sounded the alarm. Then and now we're seeing because it this is crisis mode. Yeah. I mean, I love the sound from. Um, Elise Stefanik, she has a nine-month-old son. Yeah, she's New York, New York Republican in the house. Yeah, look, this is like a third-world country because that's what it feels like to, to. I mean, I was um, 
you just hear from so many parents that are going through this and you feel for them because especially in the beginning, because it's, it's, I mean, you're tired. The baby's not sleeping. If you're breastfeeding, uh, like honestly, you're in pain and you're stressed out and you need the help um, of the formula at times. And if you're not breastfeeding, you're relying on the formula when you can't get it. You know, husband's going out in the middle of the night looking for it. Family members shipping it in when they can find it in like wine boxes in some cases, because if the, if the box, said Similac or what have you on it, it could get stolen. Right. I mean, come on. This is the United States. Um, so it is a fair criticism that this wasn't acted upon soon enough. We knew that this was becoming a problem. And that, and that is a fair criticism by the Republicans of the White House here. I think it's fair. I think, yes, we should have acted sooner. Absolutely. One thing that you're, uh, for people who maybe don't have kids or guys or whatever, well, just breastfeed. What's the big deal? It's free. That's what people did before formula. <laughs> well, before formula, a lot of kids died of malnutrition or gut help in other ways. It's not as simple as that. And if and say you've got a six-month-old and you stop breastfeeding, you can't turn it back on. Okay, here's the, the down low on breastfeeding. Um, some women can't do it. They, like, they don't produce milk. They cannot do it. Some women don't want to do it. Some women can sort of do it, but they don't have enough supply. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, and even if you do, you may or may not, probably don't, have a job that gives you the time or privacy uh, to take care of it at work. Correct. And it is you have to do it every few hours. Um, I feel I, I'm going to go with, in the beginning, every two to three hours, you need to pump or breastfeed to keep your supply up. Like I said, it's not a faucet. It's a job. Yeah. This is an all-consuming job, which is why a lot of parents, when they go back to work, they start using more formula. Nonetheless, it, it's, it depends on the baby. Does that baby latch onto your breast where you can breastfeed? If you can breastfeed, there are so many issues involved yeah. here. Um, so, yeah, you can't just say to a woman, it's actually quite insulting. And and also, I mean, you, I'd get a, offended. I mean, if I, if I wanted to be to breastfeed and I couldn't and and someone just threw that at me, I, I, I might be really upset by that. Yeah. And even if you could and just didn't want to yeah, for your own personal reasons or financial reasons or Noted. whatever. Um, there's also some trade stuff going on here. We're not allowed to commercially import uh, formula from Europe. If you're a parent and you can you know, find it and they're not going to lock you up or anything. But if you try to import a lot, um, the government could confiscate it. The government does confiscate it sometimes. Um, and it's not because the, the formula there is unregulated or isn't safe. It's, it's just not labeled the same as ours. So that's another red tape thing to work around. And maybe that's something that they could address because we are in crisis mode right now. Yeah. Um, I know that they are starting to import more mm-hmm. per the, uh, the president's phone call a few days ago with some of the major manufacturers. Um, Abbott says that they're in to- even if they say, okay, yep, turn the lights back on and get it going. Um, even if that happens next week, it's going to be a couple months, theoretically, oh, yeah. be- before, before stuff is on the shelves the way it was before. What the FDA has said, though, in these emergency cases, for lack of a better word, um, these very specialized formulas, they're like, look, go in, make it, and you know we'll figure out how to get it to those families that are just in dire need. Mm-hmm. So at least the FDA has approved that so far. Yeah, and also said simplify the variety too, just to get something out. Yeah, right. You, uh, I mean, you're lo- if you have a not fussy baby, you're a lucky parent right yeah. now. I will say that. I mean, you you have kids. I'm sure you can remember. I, like, you can't really just put any bottle in a baby's mouth, at least not in the beginning. No, we needed like the sensitive the sensitive stomach stuff. We had See? we had we had plenty of options, but I mean, the, like we could get store brand. We could it was all the same. I, it wasn't like these. If you you have a kid that has a very specific need, and there are adults actually that that have specific needs for the for um 
for the supplemental stuff too that gets made at the same factories. Um, another complication is WIC, this uh, food program for mm-hmm. women, uh, infants, and children. Um, a huge consumer that program of of formula. But there's red tape there too. You can only buy a certain kind of a certain amount, yada yada yada. So they're trying to they have to loosen that up. I was reading about that, and I was surprised how many women do get their formula through that program. Oh, it was, it's a yeah. large number. It's most actually. It's like yeah, and something like half the formula in the country goes to that program. And I think this is something that so many people, aside from parents who just had babies, don't even think about. Yeah. Right? When was the last time we actually spoke about baby formula? Now, all of a sudden, we don't have it. Like, yeah. think about it. I mean, people are getting an education in infant nutrition right now. Don't make it from home, they say, because that's really risky. Don't um, water it down. Don't water it down. This is, this is you know, these are the programs that get it. This is where it comes from. I mean, I, I've never spoken so much about baby formula in my entire life. What is the, what's come out of those White House meetings? You touched on one or two things. What else, what else is possibly there to do uh, for, the, for the government to help this out? I would... I would really, and I, and I, I, I want to be hopeful that they are have them, have the Ab, the the Abbott people and the FDA get together and figure out a way to get something coming out of that plant soon, and then let's say they can be up and, and running in about two weeks, which they've said. Should they get the FDA green light? Make sure you can get it on the shelves. Yeah. Like figure out a way to streamline the product to consumers as quick as you can. Because that process, we're talking a total of potentially two months right now. And that's uh, that's where you run into, yep, even if you make it, you got to get it there. And we saw the same trucking shortages and the same other problems that we've had with other products yeah. for the last two years and, and going back further than that. Uh, Lauren Simonetti, anchor, correspondent on Fox Business, your podcast. Uh, we're momming today. Talk all about this. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Here's a look at the week ahead. Tuesday. Primary elections are set for Idaho, Oregon, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. One of the most watched races is expected to be the Republican Senate contest in Pennsylvania, with celebrity heart surgeon Dr. Mehmet Oz up against businessman David McCormick and Kathy Barnett. Former President Trump has endorsed Dr. Oz. Thursday. Boeing is scheduled to launch its second Starliner capsule to the International Space Station atop an Atlas V rocket. This will be an uncrewed mission as Boeing works to certify the spacecraft to carry astronauts. It will be the first test launch after a failed attempt in 2019. Friday. President Biden begins an international trip visiting South Korea and Japan, meeting with his counterparts there. In Tokyo, the president will meet with leaders of the quad grouping of Australia, Japan, India, and the U.S. Saturday. The 147th Preakness Stakes takes place, the second event in the Triple Crown. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. Getting Schooled is a podcast hosted by Fox Nation's Abby Hornacek. Each week, Abby and her expert guests tackle topics we take for granted and help explain the roots and meanings behind them. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Joe Concha. 
What's on your mind? Do you remember the good old days when inflation was below 2%? That was the case under the previous president in Donald Trump before he left office. But under the 46th president in Joe Biden, it has more than quadrupled, with analysts warning we could surpass 10% this year. Yet here was the president recently screaming about the problem as if he was campaigning for president, not actually speaking as, you know, the guy in charge in the Oval Office when speaking about food shortages. The idea that people would have to wait in line an hour, hour and a half to get a box of food. Does this guy know that he's the one responsible for inflation and ultimately the one responsible for fixing it? But like Biden blaming Trump for the border crisis and blaming big oil for record high gas prices before he blamed Putin and blaming COVID for skyrocketing crime, this is clearly a president who will not take responsibility and an administration where the buck stops anywhere else but with them. I'm Joe Concha. Listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. Download Fox News Channel's The Five podcast for free. Five of your favorite Fox News personalities discuss current issues in a roundtable discussion. Get it now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and foxnewspodcasts.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.